Well, good morning to each one. I, too, want to greet you in the name of Jesus. I was thinking this morning about how important each part of our Sunday morning worship service is. You know, preaching is important, but the song leading, the songs we sing, the devotional, all the Sunday school teachers, you know, every part of a Sunday morning service is so important. And I thought about that in light of our Sunday school lesson. That wasn't necessarily the most easiest lesson to teach. And uh, I appreciated our lesson and the work that Mark put into it. And thank you for that, Mark. God bless you for that. Recently, I had the privilege to preach my brother-in-law, Conrad, and his wife, Ashley's wedding message. And so I thought for a message today, I would share some of those thoughts with you. I thought maybe those thoughts could be an encouragement to us here at Ebenezer. Most of what I share today will be directed to married people, but yet this message will be for everyone because many of the things that make for a good marriage are good and necessary in relationships as a whole, married or otherwise. And it could be too that there are folks here today who are not married and are thinking that getting married would be something that you would like to do sometime. It's on your list. And so maybe today you can learn a few things about marriage. The Bible says in Hebrews 13, verse 4, that marriage is honorable in all. The biblical definition of honorable means valuable, esteemed, precious, of good reputation. Marriage is certainly worthy of honor. The Bible says so. We live in a day when Satan, the father of lies, is trying to confuse what marriage truly is. And I won't go into all that, but I will simply say, marriage is and will always be an institution ordained and sanctified by God. Marriage is the legal union between one man and one woman for life. Marriage is one man and one woman becoming one flesh. Hearts, hands, minds, possessions, thoughts, interests, aims, and goals. And I thought this morning here we would begin by going to the, our Bibles and let the word of God confirm again of what marriage is. And so let's begin in Genesis. I'd like to read Genesis 2. 18 through 25. And I find it interesting in the second chapter of the Bible, Genesis 2, God confirms what marriage is. And we live in a world that is still trying to figure that out. But early on, God established what marriage is. Genesis 2:18. And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. 
I will make him a helper comparable to him. Out of the ground the Lord formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all the cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. And the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord had taken from him he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. And so there we have the words of God early on. And now let's go over to Mark chapter 10. And I like to read the words of Jesus. Jesus confirmed these words in Genesis 2, Mark chapter 10, 6 through 9. Mark 10, verse 6. But from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. God's plan for mankind is so clear and easy to understand. From the creation, God made male and female. For this reason, a man should leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And so there we have it, very clear and very easy to understand. The man and woman were created for two different purposes. We see that. It says that Adam could not find a companion that was comparable to him. And so the man and woman were created for two different purposes, two different roles. But yet, in that joined together plan, the man and the woman are equal. They are one flesh. The Bible says in 1 Peter 3 verse 7, that they are heirs together of the grace of life. And so I shared that part for a foundation for the remainder of the message. God's word makes it clear what marriage is. And we don't have to be bashful. We don't have to be ashamed of that. The Bible makes it clear. In the Old Testament part of our Bibles, we have the book of Ecclesiastes. The book of Ecclesiastes is a journal that describes the journey of King Solomon and his search of significance and meaning in life. He experienced 
with everything that he could think of in the hopes of finding fulfillment, most of what he tried, like pleasures and the pursuit of possessions, left him feeling flat and empty. Everything was empty and vain until he reflected on relationships. And we find that in chapter 4, and I invite you to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. I'd like to read 9 through 12. Ecclesiastes 4, verse 9. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. In these four verses, I see five foundations for marriage. They all begin with the same letter, W, and you can think of the letter W for the word wedding. But I see five foundations, and I want to consider those this morning. The first foundation that I see for marriage is working. We see that in verse 9. Two are better than one because they have a good return, or good reward or a good return for their labor. Now, we like a good return for our labor especially us guys, this time of the year when we're out working in the heat and we're sweating and it's hot, it better pay well. <laughs> and so we know what that's like to want a good reward for our labor. The truth is a marriage will not make it without a lot of work. But there is a good reward or a good return when both work together. Now marriage is sometimes described as getting hitched. Now maybe more back in the day than today, but getting hitched makes us think of two animals yoked together and hitched to a heavy load. Now I really know nothing about horses, and I'm, and I'm okay with that. But from what I've read, one Belgian draft horse is able to pull 8,000 pounds. Now, it didn't say if that was on a wagon or on a sled, but either way, that's a lot of weight. And what I read, if you would take two random draft horses and harness those horses together. Together they could pull 24,000 pounds. However, if two Belgian draft horses are trained to work together in a harness, 
Together, they can pull 32,000 pounds. Two can accomplish four times as much when they work as one. That's the power of synergy. That is the power of combined effort. When two people combine their strength, creativity, and their talent, they can accomplish more than they can accomplish alone. And that's not all. There is a special bond that takes place when people work or serve together. And so two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. And so marriage will take work, but it's worthwhile. There is a good reward for the labor. There is a good reward for the hard work. The second foundation that I see for marriage is walking. We see that in verse 10. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him. Solomon next describes this committed relationship as walking together. Now back in Palestine day, there were a lot of risk by traveling by foot. Traveling alone was not safe or recommended. And I believe this is a great illustration because marriage is like a trip or a journey. When a bride and groom are joined to each other in marriage, they promise to travel life's road together. And on that pathway, there will be potholes, loose gravel, and at times, even confusing paths. You may falter and you may fall, but you have each other to hold the weaker one up at those times. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion, but woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. I thought too of the verse, or the verses in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, when we think about walking. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not, un and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. And so marriage involves working and it involves walking. But there's a third benefit, and that is warming. We see that in verse 11. If two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Now back in Solomon's day, common folks did not have heated houses like we do today. And so the couple, after working, and walking would need some warming. Now, sometimes we have the tendency to take this verse so literal that we miss the point. You see, this is more than just about keeping each other physically warm. There are times when we will need help to face circumstances beyond our control. 
There are times when we need to be able to gain emotional strength when we do not have enough of our own. There are times when we need encouragement when we feel like just throwing in the towel. And so to you married couples, see your spouse as your companion, as someone who completes you, someone who you are to live in communion with. When you do so, God will bring warmth to you. God will bring warmth into your marriage. I'd like to turn now to Ephesians 5 and read 28 through 33. I want to continue this thought of warming. It may seem like we're going away from it just a bit, but we'll, we'll be back here in just a minute. Ephesians 5, 28 through 33. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own body. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason a man should leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each of you, nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. In verse 33, the Apostle Paul gives a one-verse summary of your responsibility in marriage. Husbands, your word is love. Love your wife with all that you have. Love her like you love her, yourself. And even more, help her to know that she is secure in your love. Husbands, can your wife say that my man loves me just like he loves himself. You know, she may say, when a piece of equipment breaks down in the home, you know, something that I use daily, I know my man is going to make sure that piece of equipment is replaced with the same quality as a piece of his equipment that may break down. You know, you may have seen guys that they have all the latest. It's Milwaukee, it's Red Wing, it's Carhartt, it's Matthews, it's Louisville, it's Honda, it's the best. But the wife she works with, Goodwill Specials, The bent and dent out of the box, Lowe's specials. Is that loving your wife like you love yourself? What would your wife say today? 
You know, I believe if us man would take to heart these inspired words of the Holy Spirit, you know, there are, we could go to the bookstore, we could go to Christian bookstores, and we could probably find 50 books on how to be a good husband, how to be a good man. But what about if we would just take these few inspired words of the Holy Spirit and love our wives like we love ourselves? I believe that attitude would bring warmth into our marriage like nothing else will. Now to the wives, I'm, I'm not going to get too hard on you. Uh, but your word in verse 33 is respect. And let the wife see that she respects her husband. Honor your husband and look up to him. Respect and acknowledge his significance as the man of your home. Years ago, I heard the quote, and I will share it with the wives here today. And that quote is simply, Praise in public, criticize in private. In other words, see that you respect your husbands. Wives, respect is your tool. Respect is your handle. Respect is your way of controlling the situation. A wife who sees that she respects her husband will bring a warmth into your marriage like nothing else will. When each of you fulfill your roles, husband's love and wife's respect, and put each other's interests before your own, God will bring warmth into your relationships. The fourth foundation that I see for marriage is withstanding. Withstanding, we see that in verse 12. Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. As you work, walk, and warm each other, you will also be called to withstand because there will be many forces working against your marriage. That's why it's so important that in marriage we make vows before God and to each other. Because marriage is a covenant that is unconditional, irrevocable, and unbreakable. In the next chapter of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 5, you can turn over there if you wish. Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes 4, 5, 4 and 5, we have these words. When you vow a vow to God, and do not delay paying it, for he has no pleasure in fools, pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. A covenant is an exclusive, solemn, and binding mutual agreement between two parties. In God's eyes, marriage is a covenant of committed companionship not simply a contract. God's objective for marriage is a loving relationship of oneness. Earlier, we read the words of Jesus in Mark 10, 9, 
Therefore, what God hath joined together, let not man separate. And so withstand, be vigilant to guard your vows, determined to keep them. I can assure you married folks, as you wind your way together through life, you will have the comfort and strength of each other as lifelong traveling companions so that you can withstand anything. Withstand, be vigilant, be on guard. The fifth and final foundation for marriage is worship. And I see that in the last part of verse 12. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. And I will say to you what I said to Conrad and Ashley at their wedding. But I said to them, I am completely confident that you as a couple will strive to work together, walk in unity, warm each other, and withstand difficulties. Because first you have made personal commitments to center your lives on worshiping Jesus Christ. And now together you are committed to have Jesus Christ in the center of your marriage. Unfortunately, worshiping is the missing link in so many marriages today. You see, working, walking, warming, and withstanding are contingent on worshiping. If you would go into a given bookstore and you would go back to the marriage section, you would find many books that would talk about how to, uh, how to have a good marriage. And they would bring out the working and they would bring out the walking and the warming and the withstanding. But few would have little to say about worshiping. And it's all centered around worshiping. Solomon's illustration of a rope made of three strands is a very brilliant illustration. And rightly so, because Solomon was the wisest man that ever lived. But Solomon used the rope. And we know that a single strand of rope will break quickly under pressure. Now, two strands of rope certainly provide more strength than one, and certainly an improvement. However, it's really difficult to braid two strands of rope together because they will just keep unraveling. Left alone, they just unravel, and they'll come back apart. And so it is in marriage, if you choose to live apart from God, and try to hold things together on your own, it will not work. Things will quickly unravel. But when you allow Christ to wrap himself around each one of you individually, and then weave himself in and through your marriage, you will have a marriage of oneness that will not easily be broken. And I said to Conrad and Ashley, I said to them, and I'll say to you, that marriage alone is not heaven. 
Marriage alone is not heaven. If you are looking for, for fulfillment in each other alone, in your companion alone, you will be very disappointed because God's design for marriage is threefold. For fulfillment in marriage, Jesus Christ must be woven and wrapped throughout it. A marriage of two cords is not sufficient, but a threefold marriage is indestructible. Sometimes in life, we use the phrase, two out of three. I shot three times and killed two ducks. That's pretty good. That's actually real good in duck hunting. And it's not bad in dove hunting either. But in marriage, two out of three is not enough. Don't settle for a marriage of two, but a marriage of three. A marriage of three is still not heaven but it's mighty close. And so, in conclusion, we have reflected briefly on the foundation of a committed marriage, where working, walking, warming, withstanding, and worshiping are prominent. In closing, I'd like to leave you with the words with uh, Ecclesiastes 12, 13, and 14. And you can turn over there if you'd like. I'd like to leave you with these two verses. But Solomon concluded his search for meeting with these last two verses. Ecclesiastes 12, 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. Solomon says the conclusion of the whole matter is simply, life is empty and even marriage is meaningless unless we fear God, keep his commandments, and put Christ in the center of it all. And so God bless you married folks, and I trust these few thoughts will bless you in some way. I appreciate the, uh, the married couples here in this church. You all, I think, do a very good job with those five points. But God bless you in that, and yes, may we honor him in our marriages. We'll call for a closing song.